Uh, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Let's Talk Surgery podcast for the Royal College of Surgeons of Edinburgh. I am your host, Gregory Acasa, colorectal surgeon up north in Edinburgh. Today is a bit of a slant on the podcast. We, rather than having one guest, we've got three guests and we've brought together trainers and a trainer and trainees to get a perspective of, of both. I'm delighted to be joined by Sally Stewart, uh, who is a trainer and a surgical care practitioner. Sally, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks thanks for inviting us today. Excellent. You and I are rivals of sorts, but we'll come to that shortly. <laughs> also with us is Maria Toraschini, who is a trainee SCP. Maria, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thanks. Thank you for having us. Ciao, 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 ciao. I think that's what you Maria is Italian, in case you haven't uh, realized. And finally with us is Mandy Magum. Mandy is also a trainee SCP. Mandy, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Welcome all three of you to the podcast. Uh, you look very nervous. First of all, we try to get to know the individuals behind the message. So open question, Sally, as the trainer of the group, we shall start with you. Who is Sally Stewart? Sally Stewart is an SCP, a nurse, a mum. Uh, a sports fanatic, a football fanatic, a hockey coach. So, yeah, that's me. <laughs> it's a lot packed into one. Okay, and Sally Stewart works where? I work at Edge Hill University and I'm the programme lead okay, for the for... MSc in surgical care practice. Excellent. And how long have you done that for? So, I was appointed in April 2019 and I became the programme lead about a year ago. Enjoying it? Very, 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 very busy, but I love it. Okay. <laughs> and has there been much in the way of change between COVID times and post or intra-COVID times from your oh. point of view as a trainer? Well, wow. So the Monday of the COVID lockdown was scheduled to be uh, one of the cohorts week to do their OSCEs and exam for one of their modules. So that was a real challenge and that must have been quite upsetting for the students. Um, but we had to pivot onto online learning very, very quickly. Yeah. We had to upskill in relation to technology, hosting the sessions online and trying to use the teaching practices that we would use face-to-face -face as much as we can during an online session. So yes, it was very challenging. Post-COVID, I just absolutely love having the students back in the building. It's fantastic. We may well explore a bit more about that with the students themselves. Up next, Mandy. Mandy, you can tell us a little bit about who Mandy is. Hi, I'm a nurse. I'm a second year trainee surgical care practitioner. I'm a qualified surgical first assistant. I now work for uh, the urology speciality and assist with robotic surgery. But previous to that, I was 10 years in obs and gynae. All right. <laughs> That's rather interesting. So you've gone from obs and gynae as a midwife or as a... No, as an as a, um, anaesthetic and scrub practitioner and theatre sister. Oh, and right. I did my first assistant training there as well. So you were a surgical first assistant prior to a surgical care practitioner, is that right? Yes, that's right. Okay, so you're in the prime position to uh, explore the variation between both. I suspect you have noticed a significant difference when you've gone from SFA to SCP. Yes. 
And what is the biggest difference between the two, would you say? The easy way of saying it is a surgical first assistant can't perform a surgical intervention, whereas a surgical care practitioner can within limits. And uh, what do you enjoy the most about robotic urological surgery? All of it. Prostates. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Prostates are sort of the bread and butter of what I do, but I like the challenge of a bladder It's a a long case and a lot of work for me to do. Nice to meet you. And we'll hear a bit more about you and some of the nuanced differences. And you said you were a second year, is that right? Yes, that's correct. Maria, welcome to the podcast, Maria. I wish I could say who is Maria in Italian, but I can't. So who is Maria? (laughs) So um, I'm a a trainee SCP. Um, I'm also a registered nurse. I qualified in Italy in 2015, and then in 2016, I moved to UK. Uh, I studied as an endoscopy practitioner, and then my journey in theatre started a couple of years later. And to start off with, with I was a nurse, a scrub nurse in general surgery, um, so colorectal and urology. And uh, shortly after, I moved to trauma and orthopedic, where um, where I progressed to a more senior role. And uh, during my time as a scrub nurse, I completed the first part of the SFA course and a leadership course, which I have to, I, I interrupted both of them. I never finished them because I got to, um, I got the job as a trainee SCP. So I've actually never um performed as a as a surgical first assistant the next part of our, our podcast usually is around quick fire questions these are questions that you have not seen before they tend to be fun so sally we'll come to you first uh of all the football teams in the united kingdom which one is your favorite oh that is so easy manchester united well that is also so unfortunate where did you finish in the league last year Let's talk, let's just say how many trophies have we got? <laughs> More than Arsenal, so I will get back in my box. Excellent. <laughs> uh, second question for you: What is the what is your favourite thing about being a trainer? Oh gosh, getting to know all of the students that I have—they've all got—they all come with something completely different, and unfortunately don't always have the time to get to know everybody that well but I do my best to come in and just find out how everyone's doing and try and separate from the you know the program but actually get to know the people so I mean that is one of the the nicest things and seeing students progress I love to see a student really develop their academic skills you know from the start of the program to the end and I, I see that an awful lot. Mandy, we'll come to you next. So someone who's got a wide range of experiences across different specialties. Between obstetricians, gynecologists and urologists, who would you say is the biggest group of divas? I couldn't possibly answer that. That's not fair. (laughs) (laughs) On the podcast, we do not have a fence for you to sit on, so you kind of have to get off it. No, I'm staying oh, firmly dear. on the fence. <laughs> Truly a matron, you're not going to engage. That's fine. Um, and in your specialty, therefore, in either specialty, which operation specifically would be your favourite operation? As I said before, a 
robotic bladder cystectomy or the traditional laparotomy. Okay. As a scrub nurse, as, a, as an S, trainee SCP, it's the cystectomy. As a scrub nurse, it's the laparotomy. And if we took you, to, so on the podcast, we have a desert island where we're all sent away. Uh, you've got your friends and family with you. Now you have the opportunity to take somebody with you that is neither family nor friend nor Sally. Who would it be and why? You know what some of the previous options have been or previous suggestions have been. What would your suggestion be and why? This is where we judge the makeup of your mind. Um, I would say possibly being relevant for this year, the Queen. I'm oh, sure she's got some really good tale, tales that she's not allowed to stay in public. Give her a few gins and, you know, get back to her. Appreciate it. Uh, very good answer, actually. I wasn't expecting that, and that's what we've not had yet on the podcast. Maria, welcome. For you two, if you were on this desert island with Mandy and you also had a chance to bring your own uh, individual, who would it be and why? So, on a boat, um, I'm thinking someone may be like an astrophysics, astrophysicist. So, we could have a very engaging conversation about physics, but also we could have a look at the stars. Okay, uh, that's different. Um, <laughs> take an astrophysicist with you. Nothing more fun than that? I'm sure it's a lot of fun. Or maybe a chef. <laughs> there we go. You've got to eat at some point. Excellent. An Italian um, chef. Okay, and for you then, maybe you'll not be on the fence. Cardiothoracic surgeons, orthopedic surgeons, and colorectal surgeons. Big as a divas. Ooh. I would say... I would say orthopedic are more like fun. Okay. And I would say probably cardiothoracic surgeons. That would be my answer. Everyone's nodding in agreement. <laughs> so that's good. It's fine. You'll still have a job. They they wouldn't they, they wouldn't take it personally. They they tend to have thick skin, so it's fine. Good. Uh, so well done. You survived that. That's the end of the quick fire questions. Uh, the next bit I thought we'd talk about is a little bit about you then and sort of how you've got to where you are, but more importantly, why you've made some of the decisions that you've made. So let's start with uh, Maria then. In terms of your interest in being an SCP, you've talked about being an endoscopy practitioner before and and how you got there. But what was the thing that interested you the most about going down the route of being an SCP? I would say that uh, the the interest that the interest started uh, really when when I was a scrub nurse because that's when I came across um, SFAs and SCPs, and we. I was not familiar with at the time. Um, I have worked with both groups, and I, I was I was kind of impressed uh, by the fact that a nurse could engage in a more advanced role, and I was impressed by the fact that they they could have this kind of uh, holistic care. So they were involved not only in theatre, which I felt I was kind of limited with as, as a scrub nurse but it could expand their role outside the theater and so I, I started to to look into the roles and the difference between them and that's when I decided to uh, to advance my role and then obviously reading about it I found out that it was quite 
the SCP was a well-established role, as well as the SFAs, basically working with uh, these practitioners made me realize that I was starting to to have an interest in this um, in this role. And along the way, did you did you have any mentors or people that guided you to reinforce that idea for you that this was a route to go down? I did. I obviously had. When I did my SFA course, the first part, I had an SFA um, supervising me and a consultant surgeon. So um, I had opportunity to to get to know better the role as an SFA first and then working uh, aside with other um, SCPs, I got to know the SCP role. And that's when, you know, my had went like towards the the SCP role but I think that working with uh, consultant surgeons and SFAs you know being supervised and you know sharing their knowledge that uh, kind of inspired me as well. And Mandy, coming to you next, you're fairly experienced. You, you've been a nurse for a while. And then, you know, what was it that made you think, actually, this might be a route I want to go down? Um, it was a, I've been qualified 13 years. And for the first eight years, I spent pestering to do the first assistant course. And that was down to a colleague called Daryl Snee, who works for Head and Neck in our trust. And, um, watching what she did in theatre and you know, the way she explained things to me, her knowledge, I was, it was just like, wow, that's an amazing role and she does an amazing job. I've been to quite a few AFPP uh, conferences and study days and met and spoken to SCPs and SFAs there. And I've also been on a couple of the Royal College of Surgeons conferences for SFAs, SAPs, and it, they're all just absolutely amazing. It's people from every speciality there. And presumably there was a bit of support within your trust to go down this route? Um, there are SCPs in head and neck and cardiothoracics. Um, there aren't any anywhere else. After eight years of nagging, um, I had the opportunity to do the first assistant course and so did a couple of others, but none of us regularly got to use those skills because we were employed as theatre practitioners. You know, that was our job, not assisting. So unfortunately, I had to change speciality to get the opportunity. Very good. And congratulations to you for, for the perseverance and sticking at it to eventually get to... <laughs> Pest <of> power. <laughs> at least it got you here. So that's that's yeah. good. And then Sally, I guess coming to you, a lot of what we heard here is um, inspiration from others, trying to go down the SFA route and then eventually going down the SCP route. Is this something you commonly see as a trainer? Yes, and I and I I hear a lot of stories. And Mandy is a, is a is a prime example of a real passion for the role, a real passion to become an SCP. But the support from trust is just not always there, and it takes a lot of hard work, writing business cases, having meeting after meeting after meeting to convince, almost convince people that the role is a fantastic addition to the surgical team and actually what you then tend to see is 
how there's a ripple effect of there, there becomes more and more SCPs within that trust or within that department. It's quite sad that it's just not gained the momentum that everybody would hope it had. But with the new curriculum being launched really soon, within this month, I think, maybe we'll see a change. You know, HEE seems to be more on board, so maybe yeah. we will see a change that there'll be more funded posts. And and that's part of the reason why we're running this series is to put on the map this group of individuals, this you know, SCPs, SFAs, and also promote and let people know exactly what you bring to the table. And you know, as I've said many times on these podcasts, that uh, you're a group that is increasing in popularity and, and availability and certainly the presence is felt across specialists. I know certainly from when I started training to now, you know, when I started, there was none, uh, certainly anywhere that I'd worked. And then over the last three or four years, I have encountered about four or five uh, and that number continues to increase. So hopefully with the aid of listening to your stories and, and learning a bit more about the curriculum and the training, there'll be other people who are inspired to do the same, but also people in a position of funding these uh, listen to this and actually think or certainly consider expanding the role within their health boards and, and trusts. Um, Sally, you're in a unique position where now you are a trainer and clearly the program lead, but you started off as a trainee SCP at some point. So as we discussed in, in the pre-med, it's, it's useful to hear your journey in terms of going from the old style, not suggesting you're old, but you know, from the old style where... <laughs> Where the training pathway wasn't quite as as um, solid as it is now, or certainly not as organized as it is now to today. Just tell us a little bit about your training pathway and how you got to where you are, but also what some of the differences are between your time and this time. Yeah, so, I mean, I got interested in the role without even realizing that there even was a role. Um, as a student nurse, I did a uh, I followed a patient through from the ward all the way through their procedure and then back to the ward. And I thought, what a lovely job this would be to be able to follow a patient all the way through, but obviously not understanding at that point um, what that really meant. Became a scrub practitioner, worked in different specialties, different hospitals. Um, and my heart would sink when the surgeon would bring a registrar or an SHO because that meant I wouldn't be as involved. That was back in the day when we did dual role because there was no real, you know, formal role. And then there was the introduction of the SFA um, modules and the SCP modules. Um, and for me, that was in Manchester and it was at level six. So that was sort of early 2000s. And then couldn't get a, a permanent SCP role or even SFA role. It was something I did once a week and um, got the opportunity to apply for an SCP role in colorectal, actually. And then I completed my what training was available at the time, which was, like I say, was at level six. And then fast forward to 2014 and the, the Royal College of Surgeons curriculum framework and then the introduction of accredited programs. Um, and I was contacted about completing the program um, and I jumped at the opportunity. My original training was... It wasn't as well structured as the new curriculum, as the Royal College of Surgery. Very, very prescriptive, very um, in line with, you know, surgical training uh, to a point. And so I completed the MSc in surgical care practice at Edgehill University between 2015 and 2017. And it really opened my eyes to the possibilities in the role. My role previously 
didn't really extend beyond theatres. But once I started my training, the consultant who was my clinical supervisor, who I'd like to name because he was a fantastic supervisor, Mr. G- Mr. Andre Gajimski, um, he, he every time I'd come back from university and say, what have you learned now? What, you know, he was so interest, interested in my development and just much more structured. Obviously, it's at level seven, that advanced practice. And I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed it. But while I was doing the programme, as a student, I was invited to come back and be an, a visiting lecturer for other programs. So that's where I kind of got that bug for teaching, consolidated my training and then was, in, you know, invited to interview for a, a position, you know, teaching within the program. So that's kind of my background. That's it's comprehensive, but also a reflection of the fact that what's led you to this point is the support that you've had along the way. Also, the same determination that we talked about, Mandy, and then your quest to inspire the next generation and and try to get that structure going and the training pathway and program improved. So hats off to you for doing that. And in terms of some of the challenges and hurdles will be similar to what you faced back in your time, but I wanted to just explore what the current process is for SCP. So I guess Mandy will come to you first. If I was wanting to go down the route of being an SCP, this is where Sally judges you on how well you know the system. Um, what would I have to do and how can I get about doing it and then Maria will talk us through what the actual program looks like. You would need um, a minimum of 18 months post qualification experience. You need a, a degree and you need a, a, I'm not sure if it was a 2-1 and you also need um, a contract. You need a job that employs you as a full-time trainee surgical care practitioner. You need a clinical supervisor and you need the support of all your colleagues and probably pretty much every department in my trust has helped me so far. Uh, Sally, that's that's by and large correct? Um, you need to be a registered practitioner. That's the only other thing that, that Mandy didn't mention is that you can be a nurse or an allied health professional that's got experience within that perioptive background or surgical background. Okay. And the universities that offer these courses, the, the MSc in Surgical Practice, widely available on the RCS Ed website in terms of a list of what universities close to you will, will offer the curriculum and the course? Yeah, yeah. So currently there's three programs in the country, um, Anglia Ruskin, Edgehill University and Plymouth University. And so they're the three Royal College of Surgeons accredited programs. Okay. Maria then. So I finally decided this is what I'm going to do. I'm a registered practitioner. I've got all the support I need. What is the program? What does it look like? Uh, We've established those two and a bit years, but what actually is involved in those two and a bit years? The program is, I believe Plymouth University is three years long whilst Agile and uh, Anglia Raskin is two years. Um, so in Agile, what I'm currently studying, is a two years course um, where the first year you explore uh, the role of the, of the SCP as a broad role intraoperatively and um, outside the theatre setting, but not is not specialty specific. 
So we explore the, the preoperative care of the patients, uh, the intraoperative care, um, the surgical assisting and the postoperative care. And everything is a combination of um, practical skills, core competencies and academic writing and critical thinking and um, assignments and also um, clinical examination exams. So um, it's you, you basically during the first year you explore the, the, the role of the SCP and then uh, the second year, uh, which I'm going to start in September, is going to be a specialty specific year where you still have practical skills to uh, to develop and you're going to have a kind of major project to uh, to write a dissertation and, and and basically you get into your specific role so for me it's going to be uh, cardiothoracics and everything is kind of you are you are guiding through you're guided through it so uh, you've got your deadlines you've got competencies to achieve um, clinical hours and theater hours to uh, to achieve and so it's 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 really intense uh, but you 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 can see the uh, the progression and the development from you know the first month of the course throughout throughout the, the years Mandy, from your point of view, any variation? I just wanted to add that you don't need to be a surgical first assistant to study to become a surgical care practitioner. Can I just add that, it, I mean, it does have its benefits. Mandy's absolutely yeah. correct. It does give you an insight into what the role might be like. And, and I think it will, get, it will help you understand it's actually quite challenging to, you know, be a first assistant for a very long procedure. So it, it kind of gives you that insight um, into that. The other thing to add that, sorry, that Maria perhaps didn't talk about is there's elements of uh, on the programme that gets the students to start understanding what they're reading in the literature. So she talks about critical thinking, but there's a module dedicated to appraising and reviewing research and also a leadership and management module uh, that helps them understand where they fit into the surgical team and what leadership skills and influencing styles that they're going to need in the role. Maybe now is a good time to talk about appraisals and CPD because you know, part of that uh, continued development will happen even after they qualify. One of the other elements we haven't talked about just yet is around research. And I believe this is something that is coming into maybe not necessarily their training, but certainly something that you are encouraged to do afterwards. Is that the case, Sally? Yeah, so the, the advanced practice project that, that spans the whole of the second year really starts to develop the um, trainee SCPs, not in research because they don't do a research project. What they do is a service improvement or a service evaluation. So there are elements that are very similar to research. So it's starting them on that journey. And what I do encourage, and, and, and it's, it never goes down very well when I do the uh, session on publication, um, is that I really want to encourage the students to think about publication of their work. And then Mandy knows this because she's actually had some things published, is that there's a real buzz when you've been published and it, and it wants you to do more. So it's getting them on that first step. So there's an encouragement for them to do a poster, to start off maybe by doing something like that. 
and, and getting more and more involved within their own departments, trusts. And some students will go down the research route, but some won't. Some will just want to, to, to develop their clinical excellence. So, yes, it is, it is encouraged, but it's the timing of when I actually have those conversations is, it's, you know, they're at a point where they're really super stressed about exams and, and reports. So it's, it's, it's always a very, very difficult time. But what is good is that the, the faculty of, um, the faculty of perioperative operative care within the Royal College of Surgeons of Edinburgh are, are sort of promoting, and I know at the next um, conference in November, it's, giving more information to students and more support to students and to qualified SCPs so that the support is out there for them to develop, to develop their skills. And coming back to Sally then, over the course of your journey and over the years, you would have had to jump over a few hurdles. There would have been some challenges, some of which are still pertinent to today. So it's important to hear what your challenges were, and then we'll hear from Mandy and Maria as to some of those that are still similar, but some that are new. I guess one of the challenges, and it is quite relevant at the moment, and certainly at the last conference, the online conference from November last year, there's real opposition from surgical trainees. That does... Surgical trainees do really feel that the SCPs get in the way of their training and we don't. We enhance their training. I've worked with a number of registrars that didn't really understand the role way back. I'm talking maybe 10 years ago before the role was really established, maybe more, actually, maybe more like 15 years ago. And they'd wonder who I was and where I fitted into the surgical team. But actually, working with an ST7, ST8, that wants to be able to do a procedure without the consultant breathing down their neck. And yep. they know with my experience, I yep. won't let them do anything stupid. Yep. So that's been a battle and it's still a battle. And I think this kind of podcast will perhaps help others, not just SCPs and not just those that want to become an SCP to understand that we're there to enhance training. We're not there to stand in, you know, getting anyone's way. So for me, that was the biggest, has been the biggest challenge as a practitioner. Well, further down, we're going to talk about the interface with trainees. Um, but I, I accept that that is uh, fundamentally one of the biggest challenges that uh, SCPs and SFAs are going to face. But also it's that balance about uh, how things interoperatively are shared to or discuss oh, and discussed to ensure that all parties involved know where they stand and what parts of this operation are free because you're right there's very little that both parties would really compete for uh yeah. if carefully managed but we'll talk about that shortly and uh, mandy apart from trainees what else has been a challenge for you for me personally it's been getting out of theater um, because the junior doctors are so busy elsewhere, it, it's just difficult to get out of theatre for them to leave their clinics to come and take over from me so I can go do my hours elsewhere. Um, I need to do a minimum number of hours in three different areas as part of the course. Oh, so you are having the opposite problem to what Sally has, where you know now yeah. nobody wants to come. Well, nobody can come to theatre to let you. They, they do come to theatre. It's just they've got other responsibilities of course. elsewhere. Of course. And hopefully, as things settle down through the pandemic, etc., you will find a better balance in terms of how busy things are outside of theatres and, and training availability to, to free up 
But I guess from your point of view, therefore, if this might be a challenge that other people are facing in terms of being able to get out of theatre, what have you done so far to help with that that others can learn from? Um, my clinical supervisor is very supportive and very, very much on my side in this and also my matron. And the people that do the person that does the rotor is very receptive to what is suggested. In-house support seems to be a key yeah, thing. Definitely. And Maria, uh, sorry to come to you last, but challenges and hurdles along the way, not just in terms of what you're doing now, but also some of the hurdles and challenges in terms of getting onto the training program. What has it been for you? Initially, um, a big challenge was for me to, let's say, jump into this this new role because obviously I was coming from being a scrub nurse as I did the surgical first assistant first part, but I, I didn't practice. Um, so the, the, the role is completely different. There's, there's a gap between that. Um, and then as soon as I start uh, the, the, the course as a trainee SCP, I, I agree with, with Mandy that, that a challenge to kind of get to, expand and develop outside the theater and also kind of find a balance between your academic commitment and the department needs so it's that that was i think the, the biggest challenge so try to to achieve all the milestone from the university but at the same time uh try to to work and develop your your practical skills in theater so you've got i mean from my point of view i've got two steep learning curves one academic and one more uh, practical uh, at, at work so i i think that currently that that's my biggest biggest challenge and one question specifically for you as you're early on in this journey is as you transition from being a scrub practitioner to being an SCP or an SFA, one of the things that always draws you back is either short staff means that you might get called to be a scrub practitioner, but also when you are a scrub as an SFA or an SCP, how easy it is for you, is it for you to detach yourself from sort of going back into that role as a scrub practitioner and trying to sort of almost tell the actual scrub practitioner what to do? So to be honest, for me, it was quite easy because I was a scrub nurse in trauma and orthopedic in a different trust. And then I I got the job as a trainee SCP in a different hospital in cardiothoracic. So I always feel like I kind of need to, to support and help the scrub nurse. And at the beginning, it was kind of... Um, mutual collaboration because I was kind of new to the role and new also to to the specialty and to the department and but you know we're kind of here for the same purpose so I feel that sometimes supporting the scrub nurse it's it's not something that 
take me away from my duty as an SCP, a trainee SCP, but obviously try not to take the focus away from um, from my tasks. I ask because uh, in, in my hospital, we have a trainee SFA called Alithia. If you're listening, I'm sorry, I'm about to embarrass you. Um, but, you know, she's, she's currently going through that transition from being a scrub practitioner to being a, a trainee SFA or SCP. And, and when I'm scrubbed with her, if she's the second assistant particularly, uh, there is a tendency to, you know, because you, you tend to be the most, not the most, but you tend to be very enthusiastic individuals, you tend to be very helpful individuals, and you want to make sure the surgeon's okay, who you're also assisting, but also make sure the scrub nurse knows what's going on. And so there's that distraction. And every now and then I keep saying, Alithia, you're a surgeon today. You know, stop being a scrub nurse. And then sometimes I have to move her from being second assistant to first assistant just to ensure that your focus is here. So I can, I sort of sympathize and can see how that distraction lends itself to going back to um, your old role. Mandy, Sally, is this something that you either experienced in the past or you've seen through your journey? As I say, I'm uh, not employed by theatres as a department i'm employed by the urology department so it just can't pull me back onto scrub or anesthetics and yeah uh, the same as maria i'll support my colleagues on the scrub side and the theater side and do what i can to assist them but my main focus is what i'm doing and sally I think you never stop being a scrub practitioner you know i mean i did the scp role for 16 years and I would fill in at lunchtime if it meant we could keep the list going. I would become the scrub practitioner as long as obviously we had another assistant. Um, I've done that before. Um, it's very difficult not to take from the scrub practitioner's trolley. That's another thing. Um, but um, where it does benefit is I understand what you're saying about concentrating on the procedure. But I think with experience and once you are an experienced practitioner, you can give those junior scrub practitioners such incredible support because of your knowledge of not only as a scrub practitioner and the instrumentation, but also your knowledge of the procedure. And I I, I think that's, I mean, obviously where it's appropriate and when it's appropriate, but I think the SFA role and the SCP role, both are fantastic for supporting junior staff when they're on that journey. Yeah, absolutely right. That, that, that is one of the key benefits of, of having SCPs and SFAs that is also an advantage to the trainees, surgical trainees, I mean, where you don't have to worry about that anymore because you know the SFA and SCP will worry about that for you. So, uh, yep, that's a that's a very good point. Um, okay, we're coming towards the end of the podcast and what we're trying to do, we've talked a bit about trainees and I guess uh, one question I'll ask to Mandy, first of all, has this been an issue for you in terms of the interface with surgical trainees where either one or the other feels as though there is an encroachment onto their training? Um, I'm I'm aware that there are issues around the subject from social media, but personally, in the role that I perform, I've not had that issue because... If I'm there at the patient's bedside assisting, it means they can go and sit on the other console and start to learn to operate the robot surgically. 
Excellent point. And that is a key point that I really hope that any surgical trainees that are listening to this, particularly those who will uh, be involved in robotic operating, is that having uh, somebody else at the bedside frees you up to be a console surgeon. So um, you've got to take both sides of the coin. And, and that is one of the biggest advantages of having SFASCPs um, at the bedside. Maria, has that been an issue for you at all? Interface with trainees, surgical trainees? Um, I, I haven't had any issue and, um, we, we have sometimes, um, junior trainees, um, coming into theater and as, um, as, uh, SCPs and trainee SCPs, we, um, we do, um, harvesting conduit for, for the bypass during coronary surgeries and, I think usually the the, the, the the junior doctors, junior trainees that they are coming in, they're quite enthusiastic and they are actually quite involved with the SCPs rather than with the um with the senior trainees and um and basically they can do some practice with us. Uh we can I mean not me personally as I'm still like a trainee, but my senior colleagues they do uh teach them, uh they do supervise them and I think they can get some experience while supervised by by SCPs. And in terms of the senior uh trainees, seniors, fellows, then I think they they see us as an opportunity for uh, for the consultant to uh, to leave the operating table and for them to to get more uh, practice and and I think that even practice with a trainee SCP is probably feel also more like get more responsibilities as well because they they know that maybe we don't have that experience. Uh, that, that that a senior SCP can have. Um, so, but I think they consider us as a good support in theatre, but also outside theatre. We do yeah. some um, some duties outside theatre, wound care, and um, preoperative vein mapping, and we can kind of relieve them from uh, some of the duties and and maybe let them. Uh, do more important stuff and we know that there's a shortage generally so i think that, that we are we are a huge help for them um so a couple of final questions for everyone going around the table first of all sally uh you are in an elevator or a lift um and it's just you and this 21 year old nurse uh, who's at a crossroads in her, his or her career thinking, I might leave nursing, I might go do something else, or I might uh, continue, I just don't know what to do with my life. And the lift stops, and you've got five minutes, we're going to run it down to 30 seconds, to give an elevator pitch. So why should Maria, this 21-year-old nurse that's stuck in the lift with you, why should she become an SCP? Here's your elevator pitch. What is so good about it that she needs to come and experience being an SCP? Wow. <laughs> okay. The role is so varied. You are working with large teams. You're working in different teams. You're working within the surgical care, uh, surgical team. 
working within an operating theatre, which is fantastic in itself, because let's face it, every surgeon loves being in theatre. It's exciting. Um, it's adrenaline rushing. But also you get to see that patient from the moment they arrive in clinic all the way through their journey and beyond. You will have different opportunities you, you will get opportunities to be autonomous. You may get opportunities to um, operate on patients and learn more advanced skills. And you will really have that feeling of being important and effective in the care of patients um, within a surgical team. Mandy? One of the final questions for you is, you know, you are further along in the journey as a trainee. You've also had a career before this. What would your hopes and ambitions be over the next five years um, in terms of what the future holds for you as an SCP? I hope one day to be part of a large team of SFAs, SCPs within the trust. Keep spreading the word. Good. And, you know, by doing this podcast, but also I'm sure your day to day inspiration and enthusiasm to those that you work with will certainly help to foster that. And Maria, similarly to you, two part question. One, is there anything you know now about being a trainee SCP or about the career path of an SCP that you wish you knew a year ago that would have, that would have either deterred you and turned you away or certainly encouraged you to keep going? Well, I have to say that at the beginning it was quite tough, but if I knew at the beginning of my journey that within a year I could progress that much, I probably would have faced the initial challenges as, as a trainee SCP with more calmness and less self-criticism. And because you, you get to know that some of the milestones, you can only achieve them with time. So you need to give yourself time. And also, I would say I would have never assumed that the surgeons are too busy to be asked for help. As you realized after time that this is where the most of our support and supervision comes from. And as well as from our senior SCPs. So probably that that was something that if I knew before, then I would have probably faced the the, the initial um, the initial steps uh, differently. Those are great reflections. Both of those points are, are great reflections, not just for SFAs and SCP trainees, but I think trainees of all uh, specialties and disciplines, because there is that pressure as high achievers that you want to get good at something as soon as possible and asking for help means that you're disturbing the other person and those are two things that, that are common amongst us as surgeons but also our allied colleagues so very good reflections and I think that's something that a lot of people can learn from as well. Can I just add to that that I think one thing to think about is that everybody's journey is different and everybody achieves things at different times that's why the milestones are designed in a way that to achieve that final level two is by the end of the program and some may achieve some aspects quite early on but then others you know will, will blossom later on in the program so it's not judging yourself against other people and just taking your time and and obviously I, I agree with you there Maria I think everyone's self-critical I should be there by now and I'm not there yet and 
you know, just obviously take the support around you, whether that's from the the, the program lead or whether that's from clinical practice. Sally, you get the last word. What do you think the future holds for SCPs or what are your hopes? We've heard about Mandy's, but what would you say your hopes and expectations are for SCPs across the United Kingdom? Oh, I just, I hope that there's an acceleration of support and funding for the role. Um, I hope that we can raise awareness of how the role fits into the surgical team and that it's an advanced role. I think that's a big key issue is that SCPs are sitting with advanced practice and the new curriculum is going to reflect those elements, those um, pillars of advanced practice. So my hope is that there will be some parity across the country, certainly in relation to um, banding of roles and and, and um and and so on so and also just some more support from central government from he i know that's expanding but central funding that way where trusts can access funding rather than taking it from their their own budgets so that's my wish is that there's a little bit more well a lot more but let's take a little bit more for now support for trusts around the country to um, to get that more that, that little bit more support with funding and for whatever, whatever we can do both on the podcast but also the college of surgeons in edinburgh i know the faculty of preparative care in shelley and our council continue to uh, fight that battle uh, with you and for you in terms of raising the profile but also helping with the curriculum but also looking at funding structures with HEE as you described but also trying to get some engagement from NHS Education for Scotland up here in Scotland and mm-hmm. and uh, similar partners across the four nations so as I say we'll continue to do what we can to help promote SCPs and SFAs Thank you three very much for your time. Uh, Sally, Maria, Mandy, it's been a pleasure getting to know you uh, individually, but also hearing your story along the way. Any final thoughts and messages, uh, Maria? I would say that I didn't expect this job to be so rewarding. Like on like a daily basis, you got that little reward at the end of the day. Then, you know, you do have, Yes, day and no day, but it's like you you see your progression every day, and and I would definitely recommend uh, this journey. And Sally, finally, so I'm going to quote Sir Alex Ferguson, who's one of my favourite people <laughs> ever, and you knew that was coming. I did. <laughs> never give in. Never give in. Whether that's looking for a role in practice, fighting for a role within your trust, fighting for funding, whether you're embarking on training, whether you're in the middle of the training, whether you're just at the end of writing your dissertation, never give in. Just keep going and never give in. Thank you very much uh, for coming on the podcast and hopefully I get to meet you at the conference in November if you're going to be there. Thank you. If you have any questions or comments, please get in touch uh, via email at LTS, that's Let's Talk Surgery, at rcsed.ac.uk, or tweet the college at rcsed, or you can tweet me at greg underscore ekata, E-K-A-T-A-H. Look forward to hearing from you. Until next time, take care, look after yourselves, and be kind to each other. Goodbye.